0: Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Kate Barnhart founded New Alternatives in New York City 15 years ago. And come hell or high water, she will keep New Alternatives going I think, to her last breath and I hope that she draws that many, 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 many years from now because the work of New Alternatives for the people she serves in New York City is unique, indispensable, and so worthy of all that she puts into it. I admire Kate Barnhart And you'll hear why when you listen to this conversation. Well, folks, this is a a particularly special conversation for me. Uh, Where Kate Barnhart sits now, I'm known as Uncle Dave. (laughs) I'm I'm not Kate Barnhart's uncle, but I was the uncle of one of her closest and dearest friends, uh, my niece, Kate Spencer whom we call Kate S. Uh, Kate S. Is, hasn't been with us now for several years, and we definitely miss her. But um, during the uh, years that Kate S. was at Hampshire College with her friend Kate B., <laughs> they have formed a, an intriguing relationship in regard to all the things that mattered to them in regard to social justice in particular. And uh, I remember several... Uh, conversations with you, Kate, uh, at Hampshire where I was going, whoa, you know, this this person is uh, very committed to the equity uh, for uh, persons who are uh, in the LBGTQ community back before it even had letters. So we're talking in the 90s. And I thought, she's going to be uh, lonely in having to speak out for people who've been. I began to hear from my niece about new alternatives. Was it called that originally?
1: Yeah, it always has been.
0: When did that name and therefore that mission come to your heart and mind?
1: Well, I was I was the director of an emergency shelter for homeless LGBT youth called Sylvia's Place.
0: That I remember.
1: Yeah. And then while I was at Sylvia's place, I could see some gaps that we weren't able to really fill just due to the sort of model that we were working in there Um, because it was an overnight shelter. So there's just a limited amount of time when you had the clients awake to do other things, right? Right. So this is new alternatives. I started new alternatives 15 years ago now. This is our anniversary year. And, um, you know, the idea is, uh, we're a drop-in center. That's why the doorbell keeps ringing because people can walk in. So that's nice good. Nap. That's a yeah. that authenticates
0: yeah, that's, our conversation.
1: <laughs> right, and that's you know that model is really important because it's so hard for clients who are homeless to deal with appointments. You know, because they don't necessarily know what time it is, or maybe they get around the city by standing at the train station waiting for someone to put them on the train or things like that because they can't pay the you know almost yeah. fair now um yeah so you know there are just all kinds of you know obstacles they face in getting to appointments so we just eliminate that and also the frustration on the our part if you're sitting there waiting for someone who doesn't show up then you just get grumpy right so it's easier <laughs> just for people to show up and then you just help whoever walks in you know like uh you know we We keep some, during the week, we have, you know, some pot pies and stuff and burritos and whatever in the freezer that we can just microwave and give to people as they show up. And we, like, I have another room, our art therapist is working and, um, you know, we just are all busily humming along here.
0: Fifteen years.
1: Yeah. Crazy, huh? Uh,
0: So... I'm assuming that, in order to keep that doorbell ringing and the door open and the pot pies heated, you have to raise money,
1: oh yeah, I raise uh you know, I mean, we're a little lower this year um but the previous year we got we got up to a half a million our budget for the year, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we don't get any government support. Um, that's largely intentional, because yeah. the bureaucracy that goes with government contracts is so intense. I mean, I could either hire someone to work with the clients, or I could hire someone to mess around with the government contracts. Um, and, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather choose the former. Um, plus, the government funding often comes with restrictions. Yeah. Especially funding for youth, you may have, you know, it's like you have to separate different age categories out or you have to separate people by gender, all kinds of weird stuff. So yeah, uh, we don't want to do any of that. So we just go with private foundation grants, individual donations, events, and sometimes with more and more recently corporate donations, which I always think is kind of weird, but, you know. Well, showing maybe, that your maybe there's a is, teeny
0: little bit of conscience that's leaking in,
1: you know, <laughs> to, to the corporate it's funding. Pride yeah. Month, you know, it's rainbow capitalism. Like, yeah, we have to show that our company is queer friendly. Plus, a lot of the companies now have LGBT employees yeah. groups within them, and those groups are often the ones that will, you know, they'll come volunteer as a group, or they'll take the clients' bowling, or they'll, you know. And then they'll steer whatever money they have to give away over here. So that's how it works.
0: The independence that you need to do the job as you do it is, is it go, what goes along with that though is uh, that it is basically on your shoulders day in and day out, mm-hmm. uh, seven days a week. <laughs> and I recall from, some of my visits with you and when you've come up here and calls from kate s uh sometimes you get you have to deal with someone at, at in crisis at night yeah on a on a sunday that there's no kate barnhart time uh on your on your weekly calendar that you can count on right well
1: I, I mean, I, you're within I have, reason. I have an hour of therapy once a week. I don't answer during that. But okay,
0: <laughs> that's good.
1: <laughs> We've been trying to train our existing clients to, like, you know, yeah, like to recognize what's a 9 p.m. emergency and what can really wait till office hours.
0: It's very hard for them sometimes to know what is an emergency and what isn't, as I recall.
1: Yeah, um, So I mean, then there are the new clients who just, you know, people who have just been kicked out of home or will get a call from, from a hospital and say, hey, we have this, we're discharging this person, they have nowhere to go, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or now oh. we're getting a lot of migrants. We have, you know, this huge wave of migrants hitting New York City. And a yeah, lot mm-hmm. of, some of those folks are fleeing from countries where they can't safely be Catch them, my finger. LGBT you know, oh, so young ad- LGBT young adults from you know we get folks from Turkey, Russia, Uzbekistan, Cuba, all yeah. over. So we yeah. actually have to um, sign up for a translation service, so that when people come here, I can call this service and then they'll, I'll, I can have a translator on the line so that I can communicate with the you know like the Spanish speaking clients. I have a couple of native Spanish speakers on staff but the Russian, et cetera, the kids from Africa, you
0: know, forget mm-hmm. it. Well, you are in a fairly diverse city, so there's probably a good chance that every language under the under the globe's sun uh, is somehow spoken in New York. But it's just another way that you've extended your personal capacity and your reach through networks of volunteers, donors, uh how about, I'm jumping around, but I, I practice is about results. And you've been at this enough years so that you must know something of how some of those lives that you've helped have gone, and where are they now? Uh, some of those stories come,
1: sure, well, come one to One of them is sitting across from me, right? Misty used to yeah. be a resident at Sylvia's place when uh, I ran that shelter.
0: Oh, that goes back. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So all my staff are people with um, lived experience of homelessness. Yeah. Not all have been my clients, but a lot of them have. So, you know, um, so that's one way that I can see the adult form that people take.
0: Is Missy smiling?
1: Uh, Missy's just because they're working. So she's just. I'm here. (laughs) It's, you know, it's just a shared space. We're all over the place.
0: Missy, you're a successful alum of New All Alternatives, as well as someone who's now providing staff support.
2: Yes, I am. I've known Kate the same amount of years I've known my best friend. So, and I've worked for Kate now nine years, Next year, what, make ten? Yeah. (laughs) Good Lord. I'm running away. Bye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is she a hard taskmaster? Does she crack the whip?
2: honestly once in a while once in a while but (laughs) but honestly i she gave me an opportunity i mean i had lost my job experience and i needed job experience to find a new job and yeah an intern for her at sylvia's at one point so i was her intern and then she had called me up i finally moved into my own place and she asked if i want to work for her and I said, well, I got one question because uh, I need to pay bills.
0: Um <laughs> oh, oh that.
2: <laughs> so she so she's like, you know, a little bit. I took it and I've been and I've asked her so many times, are you hiring yet? Are you hiring? Are you hiring? Finally the answer comes. So and then from then on forth, I've been working my way up and I worked my way up to a lot. Now I'm her executive assistant. Oh. I help with the housing applications. I help um, coordinate the trips. Wow. You know, I actually, when I worked for Kate at, where was it? St. John's. Yeah. I advocated for the first trip ever. And that was to Six Flags. And we raised the money.
1: And we just <laughs> had
2: a donor help us. So, you know, and ever since then, I've just been doing that as well. So I've wow. moved up to doing a lot, to being a Yeah. Right now, Misty is floundering around in all
1: these boxes because, you know, we have all these uh, people going back day? to school. Yeah. So oh, we yeah. had to, like, you know, request people to send us a whole lot of stuff for people going back to school.
0: Thank you, Misty. Well, yeah, you know, that, that 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 does speak volumes of how successful well, you I are. I
2: this woman with all my heart, and I love KDAS. Oh. and
0: that that as well yeah. You because know, who's not the love right yes there you go
2: <laughs> so you
1: know but I, then remember I also w- have other you know i have other young people who've gone on to do other things like yeah you know, i have one uh, young man who was came to new york to go to the school of visual arts and you know he came from a small town in florida and he had his family's support but then when he transitioned to be a guy he started out as a girl Mm-hmm. Um his family cut off his support and since he was living in the dorms, and then he lost his money for school, then he was homeless, right? And mm-hmm. he couldn't go back to the family that was mad at him. So he, you know, he came here and he was just despondent, you know, and we were able to get him into an LGBT youth shelter and then, um, you know, convinced him that he could actually go back to school as an independent student. And he wound up going to Hampshire, where Kate and I went um wow, transferred his credits from SVA, and he um he graduated from Hampshire
0: That is amazing. Do you keep in touch with him now?
1: I do, yeah, he's living in Boston. he has a job at an animal hospital. he lives in like you know a shared house with some other people.
0: of course he can't there. live in Boston alone. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Or, or New various, York for that man. Various that, other dogs and whatnot. So he's he's in good shape.
0: That that story I remember of sort uh over so many times. Uh people you've helped uh get into college going through the whole application process, all all the hoops.
1: Yeah. And then yeah, sometimes, we have like of course, a few of these boxes have laptops in them for people who are starting college this fall because you know laptops are expensive but they're essential these days you
0: can you cannot get through a day at college now without without access to the to whatever tools they use that are on the web so uh all very good
1: i remember before you retired you had one of those smart classrooms right
0: i sure did the only reason i retired kate was that my classroom became smarter than I am? <laughs> I said, "To hell with that!" No, <laughs> the I am a little. Con-
1: you. Is that what
0: <laughs> I am a little concerned about artificial intelligence taking oh, over, yeah. taking over the world. But uh, what I'm
1: concerned about is my clients not realizing that if they have it write their papers, they're going to wind up with a lot of gibberish in there. <laughs> I keep having to tell them, "Make sure you read that first, because."
0: Exactly, gibberishes, and, and and uh and and I would say, as the old-fashioned professor that I am, what they miss when they don't write the paper themselves is the thought,
1: right? And also, <laughs> it, like, aren't you paying to learn something? Yeah, <laughs> I don't and know. And, the,
0: and the work of thought is largely done in writing, particularly in college, and then afterwards, you know. It, if, if you only spoke what you know, Kate, uh, instead of all the times you've written what you know and written about it and so forth, but it's all you. You haven't punched a key and say, write something really persuasive so someone will give us $100,000. Wow. Oops, I, I, now I planted that idea. <laughs> that G- GP or whatever chat does not Raise a hundred dollars hundred thousand dollars, but it is it's one of those things of many that you personally have had to adapt uh, into your way of being uh, what's coming next, do you think, for sustaining you and new alternatives that you think you're going to have some new challenges?
1: well, I mean we've been talking uh my board and I have been talking about splitting the leadership role in half because, um, the agency has gotten so big that it's hard for me to do the administration, the fundraising and see clients. (laughs) Imagine that. Um, so, you know, and, and it became especially clear, you know, I had spine surgery and so I was out for a little bit and, um, it was like, kind of like, wow, you know, that's, a lot of responsibility. That suddenly there's like this black hole. I mean, not that I wasn't doing it while I was lying on my back, but you know. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I a little Came little... out of
0: anesthesia and you picked up the. Yeah,
1: phone. yeah. It was like it was like just give me a few minutes to get out of being delirious and all. <laughs> uh, but,
0: maybe um, delirium helps sometimes. <laughs>
1: possibly. Yeah. No. It was, it was a big. You know, it was a big one. I had um, those bumpy bones on the back. You know, the ones that are kind of like. Where yeah. your dinosaur spikes would be. I had three taken out completely wow. to open up my spinal cord. So there's take the pressure off the nerves to my legs. Yeah. So it was yeah. kind of, you know, it's like five days in the hospital. So
0: how, how, how are your legs doing now?
1: A lot better. You know, I could barely, barely walk. And now I, I remember can, that. Yeah. I can go pretty far. Like, you know, I did the Queer Liberation March from downtown Manhattan all the way up to the village.
0: So. That is something.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, but I, I mean, I was in a lot of pain, but <laughs> by the end, but I did it.
0: Why? Uh, this is an awful question to ask, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, why are you so dedicated to uh, those of us humans who are, are called queer? What—what What is it about them that is so compelling to you? It, well, I think has, it's been, like, yeah, it has been. It has been as yeah. long as I've known you. You've cared about what they go through, what you go through, and what my niece went through. And it seems like, like it's in. It's just exhausting.
1: I mean, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, one is just that I have a soft spot for the underdog. You know, like my first job out of Hampshire was actually not working specifically in the queer community it was working with teen felons coming out of Rikers. It was an alternative to an incarceration program. And I was there for a number of years. So, you know, for me, it's, it's more about marginalized people, you know, there are aspects of the queer community, I don't necessarily, it's not that I don't care about them, but that are not my priority. You know, there are plenty of people in the queer community doing fine for themselves. And Absolutely. often um, in a way that's makes them into oppressors, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but for me, it's, I feel more of a kinship and a need to help the the people who are marginalized. And a lot of, especially transgender people in our society are very marginalized. Yeah. Um, you know, and I see it as being able to take, you know, I have certain privileges. I don't have money, but I have, I have education for instance and things like that. And I'm able to take those, those privileges and kind of use them to, it's like clearing a path. I always think of my dad, um, would go up to the house he grew up in Gloucester, Mass every year and clear the, um, the trail through the woods you know, the hiking trail or whatever. So he would, you know, cut away all the brush and the fallen trees and stuff. And I think that way is kind of how I work. You know, it's like, okay, someone comes in and says, okay, I applied for food stamps three months ago and they approved me, but they never gave me any. And so my role is to like cut through those bureaucratic obstacles and like text my friend on the city council and be like, Hey, can you give, can you give HRA a call and tell them to give this person, you know, like that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very apt analogy. Uh, and I can think of, of your dad, who I've met several times, wonderful teacher, the best. And I And I think, what a generous thing for him to do with his very scarce vacation time. Because he could have been sitting on a porch reading a book. Instead, he gets out there in the poison ivy and the poison oak and hacks away at the underbrush so that others can make that walk through the path unencumbered. Uh, he was quite an inspiration to you, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of things, even though, you know, I mean, we're not genetically related, but he no, was no, your dad. He was
0: your dad. birth,
1: I mean, you know, literally. So, you know, he, I, I definitely have a lot of, qualities like i think he was one of the most generous people i've ever met and Mm -hmm. i've definitely been critiqued for my generosity you know i've definitely had people say you know how come you give away all your uh, you know all your money and stuff like that you know and yeah it's not always the best idea because then sometimes you wind up not paying your bills but um yeah you know like i try i mean i i've been trying to be more like balanced about that but You know, just it's there's the generosity like in practical ways, but then there's just the generosity of spirit, too. Yes. Um, You know, and I gained that from him. And certainly also, you know, he had a he had a thing for the underdog and for young people as well. You know, he always taught he taught in a really what was then a really bad school. In fact, they later closed the town for being such a bad school. But it was, you know, in um, what was then Spanish Harlem. And he got a lot of uh, young people his specialty was literacy. He was teaching high yeah. school, but he was teaching people how to read. Yeah. You no. Know? And so, you know, but he really, he loved that job and he, and he was very, you know, like if you look at the, there aren't a lot of pictures cause that was a time when people didn't have a camera on the 24 seven. But, um, you look at the pictures that do exist and you can see he and the young people are, are just having fun, you know, with what they're doing as well as, and I think that's really important, too, like to bring the humor and the fun to it also, because, you know, nobody wants to have to come in and for appointments where it's just like a total drag all the time, you know. So also in terms of just gaining people's trust and getting them to really work with you on a deeper level, I
2: right. think
1: the humor is certainly a good tool for that. Um but it's funny because every now and then I'll be downstairs in the big room where we serve dinner and, you know, the young people can get pretty loud and silly and whatnot. And every now and then I just find myself going, settle down. And that's totally what my dad used to say to his classroom. I'm settle like, down. oh, dad's voice just came.
0: <laughs> it did. It does. Yes. Funny, yes. Very much so.
1: It's, you know.
0: I know uh, what you mean about, um, uh, the 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 place of humor in a, in a in a, when people come through the door in very tough conditions dire straits and it's not about laughing at them or anything like that it's just basically saying yes it's serious uh, but in the meantime have you heard the one about <laughs> you know just to, because you're not a bureaucracy you're not a a, a dull gray walled I hate to be stereotypic, but an agency where you come in and you take a number. Right. Uh, and uh, I, and you preserve that welcome in more than just, hello, how are you? What can I do for you? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big welcome that Marcy just mentioned last indefinitely, uh, which is uh, a huge credit to you. Uh, I have enough time to show the folks one other aspect that I know of Kate Barnard. Uh It's just a rumor, but I think you like cats.
1: Well, the cats would probably say so, yeah.
0: <laughs> and speaking of having a big, generous heart, you know, I know you try to place a cat when someone comes to you and says, "I, we need to rescue this cat but you've also taken a, a number of them in, into your home over the years and made a really nice home at sometimes great expense. Of, uh, a few cats is uh, very expensive. And, uh, but what, what do the cats do for you?
1: Well, a couple of things. I mean, they help me fall asleep. Like if I'm stressed out, Yuki in particular, who's actually one of the clients found uh, in a snowstorm in the Bronx, he was crying in the snow, and when they brought him to me, he his eyes were red and he had ulcers in his mouth and throat. He had colic virus, Spent like a week in the animal hospital. It cost me a whole paycheck. But you know, he um, I've had him now for a long time and uh, like probably about fifteen years, yeah. and he will call, come when I call his name. And so if I need, you know, I need him to help me like chill out. I can call him and he'll come on my bed and I can just hold him while I fall asleep and he'll purr, you know? So they're just, cats can be very relaxing when they're not being really annoying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We, we have, um, a cat that you had met, I believe named Billy. Wow.
1: You still have Billy?
0: 21 years old.
1: My goodness. Yeah. Now
0: Billy, she's taking meds in her ears now for thyroid. Uh, and oh, she, they're
1: transdermal meds. You smear them on and they go through the skin of the ear. Wow. That's yeah. the
0: one. And she takes it very nicely and she doesn't fuss. And But she used to run all over the house and she'd be here on the couch next to my, when I was doing this kind of recording. And, and uh, she was my sidekick. Uh, but she has two places in the house now that she's comfortable. Uh, the, the little rug that we put down by, uh, her toys in the in the living room, and then up in our bathroom. There's a bath mat <laughs> of all places. We've got fancy cat beds and all. Uh-huh. That. yeah No, no they- she's she's going to be on that bath mat. In fact, she's there now. And then, of course, when I need to, or either of us need to use the bathroom, Billy kind of looks up from her s- semi sleep, and she goes, "Oh, uh-huh? <laughs> like really." Go downstairs. Use the other bathroom.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> like I've she taken could. over the whole bathroom. You
0: know how cats are, right? <laughs> it is their house. That Your house is their house.
1: Oh, definitely. And they, now, you know, let me
0: build on this one more question. I'm watching my clock here, and you got another appointment. There was a notorious cat in your house called Mr. W, Mr. Wednesday. Uh, is he still up to it? Is he still disappearing he, he or trying to he disappear on he Wednesday? He
1: is quite a bit older now, and he's had some uh, like gastrointestinal problems, so he's you know a little on the skinny side. But I still now and then will be like carrying in a bunch of stuff, and he knows that my hands are full, so he'll be like right there by the door just waiting, and I have to you know it's like being a soccer goalie. I have to block him. <laughs> Otherwise, he's you know out for hours. I mean, sometimes he'll pop up at Andrea's house in the next block. Mm-hmm. Um, he introduced me to my cat-loving neighbor. So, but you know, I just I don't really like him being out because you just never know what might.
0: Happen. No, Brooklyn streets are not without cars and other predators. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but over the years, I, I've uh, heard a lot about your cats, and and it's one of the eighteen hundred and twenty-seven reasons that I
1: admire you. Thanks. I only have eight cats now,
0: though. Oh, that, that's still
1: a substantial reduction, but um,
0: that's three more than my son and his wife have. They have five, and they my son's spends a good portion of his day and night uh, moving litter boxes and setting out food. And of course, among your cats is probably the same. There's always one that needs special diet Um, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah those guys eat in the bathroom yeah
0: yeah so but would would, could I ever talk them out of you know sending any of those cats away no way no way and Billy sticks with us Laura comes down to visit Billy Uh
1: uh-huh but Laura travels a lot so
0: but she can't possibly have a cat so uh, but if she said okay put her in a caring case I'm taking her to Vermont to live with me we would say, no, you're not. (laughs) So I I, I digress. But I want to say to folks who listen to this, there's something happening in New York City and it's happened for 15 years and I hope will happen for many more called New Alternatives. And it is a door to knock or to ring a bell and say, "Uh, I've been excluded for reasons beyond my control. I was born this way. And uh, the people who I depend on reject me. And I need to become independent. Right now, I'm not independent. I'm, I'm on the verge of the opposite. And with time, care, humor, and some hot food downstairs in your dining area, a lot of people do become independent, okay?
1: Yeah, it's just a process. You have to think of it like planting a seed and then you have to give it time and eventually you'll see what like, growth.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. I'm a whole lot of people who care what you do and who you are. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. It's the doorbell.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcasts, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to anactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to anactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and and one more thing. How could I forget? The book On Practice as a Way of Being is available now in digital form. Something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us. And it's a, a great, way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, .world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you. We, uh, it's all right, someone's tinkling on the keys,